0: In a dark world filled with deceit, one united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. and unravel the lies
1: while we're living in satan's little season
0: with sister crystal and brother phil Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts, Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Topic today, and this is going to be a doozy: the prosperity deception. this is going to be a This is going to take us a couple of shows for this one because <laughs> the Bible just has so much to say on this idea of wealth, money, prosperity. You know, you get the idea. I mean, I could do multiple. I could go on and probably do shows for, you know, a year on just this <laughs> idea of money because the Bible has a lot to say on it. Right. But we're just going to give dedicate a couple shows to it to get the idea of what's going on here. Okay. Well, the problem that we have in our culture and society, especially during, you guessed it, Satan's little season, is this idea of prosperity has been perverted by yes, the devil. Yes, yes. And we're going to show you some examples that we've discovered. One that we just discovered recently. This idea of prosperity is not what a lot of people think it is. And it's not the Holy Grail people think it is. Oh, if I just had enough money, enough wealth, enough whatever, I'll be happy. Mm. This is not what the Bible teaches at all. As a matter of fact, usually the exact opposite. And there's warnings against it. Recent times, of course, there's been some popular books out. Yes. About this idea of, and of course, we know how the churches are these days. It's these prosperity gospel churches that have promoted this for many, many years now. And it's become like a problem in our churches today.
1: Well, it's like that little light that attracts the mosquitoes. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with Christians. You know, you talk about money or prosperity or how to improve. Well, you know, people want to get to it. And prosperity doesn't necessarily mean money. But it just automatically gets people focused in that direction. Now, you could prosper in being a better person and living a better life and being more functional in your daily living. That's prosperity, too, because you're better off being more efficient in whatever manner you're living if it glorifies God. But they do this prosperity gospel to um, also attract a lot of people to churches, to these books they put out, to make money. Not necessarily to make people better, but to sell this idea and concept that prosperity makes you a better Christian.
0: We remember years ago. (laughs) At least 20 years ago. The famous book came out that kind of made this into a a, a phenomenon in the church, The Prayer of Jabez. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start the show right there because... Of course, you know, we've always, we've heard, and we're going to read where that prayer is in the Bible. It's just a short one verse. Uh-huh. But yet, whole, had to, they had to dedicate a whole ber- book to one verse, you know. Uh-huh. And, and the idea of this is what kind of prompted the, the modern day prosperity gospel. And what I don't really like how churches do that is that they focus a lot on, oh, health and wealth gospel. And, and, and a lot of times, they'll lump health and wealth together, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes they, you know, they, they, they. I don't think you can lump both those together. Now, health, yeah, it's different than wealth. Mm-hmm. Totally different thing. Your health has a lot to do with your choices you make and lifestyles you live and everything. Mm-hmm. Wealth, on the other hand, you know, God gives, takes away. It could be a little different there. A lot of scenarios can go into wealth. A lot of people born in, in poverty never got out. You look at we we read stories on the the poor beggar Lazarus. Mm-hmm. You know, it d- didn't seem to be a problem that he was a poor beggar. So. Sometimes God doesn't bless everybody with wealth. We've learned that from other verses. But we're going to go to the prayer of Jabez. And we're going to read that particular prayer. Because, of course, we're all familiar with it. Major book. Best-selling. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And we're going to go ahead and just read that really quick. Because we're all familiar with it. And we're going to go over this passage of Scripture. Go ahead.
1: Okay, so and Jabez called on the God of Israel saying oh that you would indeed bless me and enlarge my coast and that your hand might be with me and that you would make me know that you will not grieve me and God granted him all that he asked
0: okay so that's it that's all that we know about Jabez we really <laughs> but yet yeah, his whole book's got to be dedicated to his prayer because we want everyone to be praying this prayer that God enlarges our territory and gives us everything that we want. That's what kind of what's being implied here. But we actually looked this one up specifically. <laughs> and this one kind of implies, if you read it carefully, this idea would make me know, this idea that no know knowledge is in, involved with this. What actually, if you read it in the original language, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. What J. Bez was asking for Was that God enlarge his territories and give him the knowledge needed Mm -hmm. to basically, I think, be like a good steward of it so he wouldn't be blasphemed or he wouldn't be, you know, put down as a result of that. He wouldn't, he would not be grieved, is what they explain it. Humiliated. Humiliated. He wouldn't be put down as a result of what he did asking for um, enlarging his territory. Mm -hmm. In other words, this is exactly what we need to be praying for, that God allows us to be good stewards as well. Essentially, that's what he was asking for, is being a good steward of what God's given to him. That prayer has been taken way out of context in modern day churches.
1: Well, I kind of find it interesting that it's kind of similar to when Solomon, what he asked for was wisdom. You know, he could have asked for wealth and all these things, but he asked for wisdom and then God gave him all these other things. But I think the idea there is is that we're um, one verse, it leads us to think, well, if you ask for territory and, you know, expanding something, um, that basically, you know, it's kind of a, and leads to a little more selfish thing. You know, like, you know, I want this, bless me this way. But he was asking so that he could be a good manager of, of the enlargement. If God blessed that part of it, that he would give him the knowledge to learn and know how to handle it correctly. And I think we all in and of ourselves, can understand that we want to be able to have the knowledge and foresight to handle whatever God blesses us with. And it could be a small business. It could be children. It could be whatever God has given you that you want that foresight and and, and internal insight to be able to know how to bless God with what he's given
0: you as a good steward. This is why I read the Greek Septuagint. Because you read this in the Hebrew, it kind of has a slightly different take on it. Which I noticed this, and this is what I found time and time again. The way it's written in the this, in this Septuagint, it makes way more sense. It goes mm-hmm. along exactly with what the te- what's being taught, mm-hmm. being a good steward. But yet, in the regular Bibles that most people are reading these days, mm-hmm. at 99 plus percent, it says here, again, Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. It's totally different than what is actually stated there in the Greek version. Mm -hmm. And this is why I really believe the Greek version is the more accurate one because that's more consistent with what how God would bless somebody. Give me this territory. Help me be a good steward of it. That's exactly what's Mm -hmm. taught in the New Testament all over the place. Matter of fact, there's a parable of the good steward taught in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go over that in the next show, obviously, We're not going to get to all of it in this show. There's just too much to go into. Again, the idea here is that Jabez wasn't asking for a bunch of wealth and prosperity. He was asking for territory that he might be a good steward of it. This is what we need to always be asking God for. God, whatever you give to me, help me be a good steward of that. Whatever it may be, even if we're given one little bit of whatever. Mm -hmm. Remember, the woman with the little mite that went into the temple was more blessed by God because... She gave all she had. Even though she didn't give a large sum of money, it was the amount that she had that she gave. This is what God's really looking for, giving, helping us get given as much as we can.
1: Well, it's how are you honoring God with what he gives you? That's really point blank what we're talking about. If he gives you a lot and you honor him with it, it that would please him. But if he's given you a lot and you're begrudging, even giving a little, you know, little away to someone who needs it, And a lot of those videos are kind of popular now. There's a guy out there. He goes to people acting like he's poor. And then he just tries to find kind-hearted people who will actually help him. And the other day I saw one. And it was a lady in a third world country. I think she was selling donuts. And he asked if, like maybe Mexico. And he asked if he could have a donut. And she was going to give him three. because, And he ended up like blessing her with like $500. The idea is. She didn't even expect that her mom and dad had died. It was all this stuff that I think people are looking for kindness. And I think really we need to know God wants us to always be kind. Know if we have a little or a lot, we need to have the right heart behind it. And if he blesses us, let's be a blessing. If he doesn't bless us, let's still be a blessing. Because it's how God sees how we react to the circumstances and situations he puts us in or allows us to be in. Like Paul says, and we'll get into
0: the, the third, second or the second. We're gonna start here in Deuteronomy again. Let's go right back to Deuteronomy. Remember, this is Jesus, one of the he quotes Deuteronomy <laughs> regularly when he mm. in, in the New Testament. So Deuteronomy is a good one. And there's a warning here that Moses gives the people that once they go into the land of Israel, they must not forget the Lord. Because what's gonna happen is, and this is kind of what typically happens to people today, once they get all settled into their life. Things become a little bit routine. They kind of forget where all that prosperity came from a lot mm-hmm. of times. And we're going to read that here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. Go ahead.
1: And you shall eat and be filled, and shall bless the Lord your God on the good land which he has given you. Take heed to yourself that you forget not the Lord your God, as so as to not keep his commands and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day. Lest you have eaten and are full, and have built nice houses and dwelt in them, and your oxen and your sheep are multiplied to you, and your silver and your gold are multiplied to you, and all your possessions are multiplied to you, that you should be exalted in your heart, and forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage.
0: Okay, so typically what people do, and it always seems to be the way it is, they kind of forget their roots. Yep. Yeah. When things start going well in their life, they forget where they came from. They forget the, the, the trials. And, or maybe they never even went through those trials and struggles. Okay, But what happens is they settle in and they get become very prosperous, become very wealthy. Life kind of starts kicking in. And, of course, here he describes a number of different ways to get wealth. Not only in, uh, building nice houses, but getting a lot of cattle, getting a lot of money, a lot of possessions. We get the idea, right? This is pretty much what happens today. Maybe it's short for cattle. The only thing that would be cattle would maybe be uh, cars. Automobiles would Mm -hmm. be our version of cattle these days. Mm -hmm. Multiply all these things to us, right? And this is kind of what's happened today. We need to remember, always remember where all these riches came from. And this is what Moses is trying to warn those people about. When things started to go well with them, they just kind of forgot the Lord. They forgot Mm -hmm. who gave them all this stuff. And they, they kind of forgot we're heritage. Well, how did we get all this? It doesn't matter. That We don't care how we got it. Or we got it now. It's ours. Yeah. And then people aren't grateful, and they aren't thankful. And see, it's again, with with Christianity, it's all about a kind of a spirit and heart. Right. It's not really about the possession so much. It's about the kind of spirit and heart we have. We need to be thankful and gracious for the things we have. Not like, oh, this is owed to me or whatever else. No. We don't need to be acting this way. Again, this is what was being taught by Moses here to the people. And this warning against it went on deaf ears, we find out later on, because they did forget the Lord. And they started turning to other gods. They started forgetting where all their prosperity came from. And so what happened, ultimately, they, they, they were had to go into captivity as a result of their sin and their rejection of the Lord. Even though the Lord brought them into prosperity, they forgot all about that. That's the first scripture. Now we're going to go to Joshua, or I should say, the book of Jesus. We're going to go to the book of Jesus, right? All right, because Joshua is another word for Jesus. We'll go to Joshua chapter 7, and we'll go ahead and read a little bit more of what happened later on about this. Go ahead. The people have sinned and
1: transgressed by covenant, which I made with them, and they have stolen from the accursed thing and put it into their store. And the children of Israel will not be able to stand before their enemies. They will turn their back before their enemies, for they have become an accursed thing. I will no longer be with you unless you remove the accursed thing from yourselves.
0: Okay, this is the story of Achan. We Mm can go in and read that whole chapter here. Achan, supposedly everything in that city of Jericho. Jericho was supposed to be, we're going to be dedicated to the Lord. Achan goes in there, he, he coveted some stuff, he starts to steal it. I, what, what I, the detail I want to get out of this is this idea here. How did God react to this? Okay, yeah, okay, so one person out of the whole group stole some accursed things. But here's something we learn how God works and what God thinks of all this stuff. If we take and or try to accumulate this wealth wrongfully, not the way God would want us to, not being a good steward not doing things the right way. What does it say here? They will not be able to stand up before their enemies. This is something that we got to learn in the New Testament as well. There's some spiritual power to doing things God's way. This is one thing we learned with the story of Achan, is that if you want to stand up against our spiritual enemies, which we've got plenty of them this day and age, okay, we've got to do things God's way. Not do things in, in these ways where we're trying to scam people out or doing things if God knows, God can see what we're doing, we've got to do things the right way and with the right kind of a heart. Not with a covetous heart like what Achan had. And he even admitted he had a covetous heart. That's why he stole the things. And essentially, they weren't able at that point to stand up against their enemies. And I think this is a problem that happens with our day and age as well. So many Christians are not able to stand up against our enemies because... They have this heart of covetousness in their lives. Right.
1: Well, I think that idea is that that protective barrier goes down if your attitude of needing something is more important than you needing God himself. He wants to protect us. And I think his protection is over us if our focus is on him and not on things. This This whole culture has been materialism to the hilt. And it's so bad that it's become like a God to a lot of people materialism people in general they like to collect things or the big thing now is people going to secondhand stores finding valuable treasures and selling them to someone else for a large exorbitant amount of money
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, we just got to be careful that we do things in an honorable way mm-hmm. to the Lord okay this is really important doing good things this is what we're here to do we're not here to gouge people we're, not here, we're here to love our neighbors love each other helping people out that are in need, all this other kind of stuff. But what I find happening in this day and age is that people are trying to skirt around what God has designed us to do mm-hmm. and, and the stewards that we're designed to be, and, and always trying to scheme or or focus not on the good things that we're supposed to do, but in some way of earning extra income or capital or whatever else. And what it ends up doing is I think this lowers our defenses, in the spiritual plane. See, mm. again, see we're looking at everything physical and the physical is what kind of matters in our lives, but see there's another realm that people don't focus on and that's the spiritual realm. And I think there's a lo- the war going on there and the- how we act in the physical realm determines on what goes on in the spiritual realm.
1: Well, it's a it's it's your your motive, what fires you, your MO. What is your, your method of operation? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it to glorify God?
0: And again, what we're, we're, we're trying to focus on is how you treat others. And again, there's a spiritual thing to this whole th- th- this idea of having covetousness in your heart. We'll get to that when we get to the New mm-hmm. Testament, obviously. A lot of scriptures that talk about all this. Right. Accumulating wealth. Accum- and Jesus talks about this quite extensively. So do the uh, other apostles. But we're going to get to another story here. Go on to the story that comes up with Elisha mm. and Gehazi. And what ends up happening here is, you know, just to give you a backstory so I don't. Naaman the leper comes to Elisha right. to get healed from his leprosy. He's yeah. a very powerful and rich man from, a, a, from Syria, a nearby country.
1: Right. So his servant girl basically says, well, you could go to this man from my country and he can give you right. a, a, a way to, can tell you a way to get healed. And so he goes to Elisha, and maybe actually, I think he only actually maybe even met with Gehazi. But basically, he's told point blank go to this Jordan River, this yucky river, and dip in it seven times. Tells this to his wife or the girl, and he says, Well, if God, if he had told the God of man, had told you, the man of God, sorry, had told you to do something really hard, wouldn't you do it? This is something kind of easy. Just go do it. And so he does it, and he gets healed. And right. I think he's amazed right. at how the healing came in such an easy, simplistic manner. And he expected it to be so hard, but it was so easy.
0: Okay, so we're going to get to this story here because we're getting to the um, the downside of this story. Because uh, he comes back after he gets healed to yeah. thank Elisha for his, for his right. healing. Because he realizes, oh man, this guy did heal me. I, there's no way this was an accident. That just dipping this seven times in the Jordan healed me, except if you know it, this guy, man, was from the Lord. So he comes back and to give him financial compensation for his work for for what he did. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and read on here. Let's go to read Second Kings chapter five, verse fifteen.
1: But Gehazi the servant of Elisha the man of God said, "Look." And he returned to the man of God and said, "All his aides and all his aides. And came and stood before him, and he said, "Indeed, now I know that there is no god in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant." But he said, "As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing." And he urged him to take it back, and but he refused. He urged him to take it, but he refused.
0: Wanting to give him a gift for his healing, and right. of course, what we're supposed to do, and this is kind of in the New Testament as well, when we do. Good things for people when we when we help people out when we're serving other people, I make it a point never to take any kind of compensation for serving each other. I think as Christians, this is a good. Po- this is the reason why I don't really want money for the show because, in my opinion, this is a form of service. Okay, I'm serving others by helping teach the Word of God. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't. This is why I don't really want money or anything like that. I'm more interested in just getting that word out. This is why. God can bless me in any way he knows how and we don't need to be taking money and this is why Elisha was too he's like no you're good I don't need anything from you you know because it was the Lord that did the healing anyway and this is why when we do good works to each other serve each other we we need to be thinking why why are we wanting to get compensated for that why don't we act like biblical people and just no I want to do it because I love you And this is kind of what Elisha was saying. I care about you. I love you. This is why I wanted to do this for you. No compensation needed.
1: Well, I think the idea is that Elisha was being obedient to God. And he told the man, Nahum, how he could be healed, not by his strength, but by God's. And I think he really didn't think he deserved to be rewarded. And if God wanted to reward him, he would provide for him in whatever way he needed. I think this compensation was something that Naam wanted to give because he felt as though if he gave something, he wouldn't feel like he received something without. People are like that. They want to give something for receiving something. And Elisha was of a attitude that he didn't have to receive something for what something God did.
0: Well, now we're going to learn about Gehazi, which was a servant of Elisha at the time. And He heard all this and was there, but yet he had a spirit of covetousness in his heart, unfortunately. Yeah. And this is what we learn about a lot of people. We need to not have this kind of spirit in our lives, but this is what Gehazi had in his. And right. I, what I'm, we're, we're learning about these stories in the Bible is that it teaches le- spiritual lessons that we mm. need to follow in our lives as well. To not have a, a of spirit in our hearts and go after money any way that we can. Instead, we need a lot of times let God bring us whatever he wants to be a good steward of and not us trying to go after all this stuff because we live in a day and age where everyone's just it seems so focused on money riches power monetization of everything financial compensation for everything we need to not think this way money there and prosperity financially it's not and then it's very important in the whole scheme of eternity okay Mm -hmm. this is what we need to go for now go ahead and read a little bit later on, Gehazi responds back, but Gehazi wasn't going to let that go. He was going to try to get some compensation. So go ahead and read um, read that Second Kings chapter five, verse twenty.
1: But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, "Look, my master has spared Naam, his the Syrian, while not receiving from his hands what he brought to him. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him." So Gehazi pursued Naam. When Nahum saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him, and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Nahum said, Please take two talents. And he urged him, and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of garments, and handed them to two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand, and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go, and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you? When the man turned back from his chariot to meet you, is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Nam shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous, as white as snow.
0: Unfortunately, this story doesn't get read too often in churches, and we can see why, because... What what's being taught in churches is wealth gospel. This mm-hmm. idea of getting wealthy and earning a living and I understand we, we all understand yeah, we got to earn a living. I get that. We all understand that. You know, there's no way we're gonna go without any kind of we need compensation at times. But when we do good and serve other people, this is why what, what I even teach our kids. When you're serving others, never take compensation for serving other people. Mm-hmm. Do it for nothing because that's what our reward will be in heaven for this. This is what God wants, and that's why you know when you work, you work for somebody else for a business. That's fine because that you you understand you need to get compensated for that. But when you're doing good for others, and it's not, and this is what this is serving other people. There's no. That's why I never take money for anything I have to do with 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 the serving of the ministry. I just Mm. I refuse it for this exact purpose. It seems like doing good for others always is, needs to be a free gift. We need to not do it for compensation, but just do it because we love God, we love others, and we want to just do it because because our heart is is being spurned by the Holy Spirit to do that.
1: Well, why Gehazi felt the need to be compensated, maybe he saw that all this wealth that Nahum had would be wasted on some other way, and they maybe he worked, maybe he felt like, oh, you know, he worked for it, but the idea is, that wasn't what they needed to be looking for as compensation. Sometimes it's having a good feeling they did a good job. They, they were obedient to God, they did what God wanted them to do, was used by God in a way that helped someone else out. So that in of itself is the good compensation, not something tangible or physical that can puff up our flesh.
0: Well, you remember Gehazi lied to him, too, about how he... Right. Oh, yeah, these sons of the prophet came, and he need, they need any. Well, some, he lied uh,
1: twice. He lied about the sons of the prophet, and then he lied, well, I went nowhere.
0: Right. He lied... He's he putting a number of lies there, but it didn't work out too well for him. The <laughs> point is, is that he he actually got quite a bit of wealth from him. It says two talents. A talent alone is one year's wages. Mm. Think about that. He got two talents uh, uh, from this guy, with, from Naaman... And that was two years equivalent to two years wages. That's a lot of money.
1: Here's the interesting thing. So Elisha did not want to be compensated. Why? Because he was a man of God and he felt by doing God's work, he shouldn't get compensated. Right. Now Nahum was a rich man that felt that if he got something from someone that he should pay them for whatever job they did or whatever right. service they provided. The idea here is is that we as believers, should be freely giving our time and um, our hours or our prayers or whatever we're doing as though we're giving to the Lord and pleasing God, even if we're we're helping and serving someone else. The Bible says that we should do all things to glorify God, our Father in heaven, and not so much ourselves in getting
0: something for that. There's always a prosperity that we need to go for, but it needs to be righteously.
1: I don't think he saw that coming, but did you see... It wasn't just for him; it was for you and all your descendants forever. His sin of lying and, to and others, taking yeah. affected his descendants as well. And so we have to understand what we do if it doesn't glorify God, and we're kind of looking for something monetarily or compensation-wise. It point. can affect yeah. our family, our children, our children's children, and their children. It's a you know a leech, or you know, onto generations.
0: We need to be careful that we do the right things because it can hurt others as well as not only ourselves. And in Gehazi's situation, it not only hurt himself, but he hurt a lot of other people too. We're going to go over one more passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. That's in the book of Proverbs, giving us some wisdom about about riches that we need to be aware of. All we're trying to say is it seems to be consistent. Old Testament, New Testament all seem to say the same thing about riches. They're a snare that we need to be careful and be aware of all these things. Go ahead and read Proverbs chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight.
1: He who trusts in his riches will fail, but the righteous will flourish like foliage.
0: Okay, so again, a lot of people who become wealthy they begin to trust in these riches. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one of the one of the reasons why a lot of people, especially a lot of women, especially it's not that women, but women like security, and they see a lot of security in having wit- riches and security. I get that. That's the way kind of God designed women to do this. When men, on the other hand, no, we need to, the men need to stand up in this in this day and age, and to say, listen, we need to have faith and trust in God to provide His riches according to His glory. Everyone, both men and women, however we do it, we got to all understand. Trusting in riches gets us nowhere. So many people put their trust in riches, and they're not putting their trust in the Lord. What do you think the mess that we're in in this world? Right. How it came to be, so many people trusting in their wealth and riches, and now this world is going down the tubes fast. Yeah. Yes. Do we have pros- a little bit of prosperity? Yeah, we do. But we, we're and this world is in such a mess. This is why, because we're all focused on all these material things of this world, and we're not focused on the things of God.
1: Well, what what would you give for wealth? You know, what's what's the most wealthy thing you could think of, and So often now we see wealth is what a lot of generations of people go after, but then there's health now. Like health is something people are now realizing is much more valuable than having rich um, and prosperity is having a good health regimen or being healthier because so many people are getting sick. And I think the idea is God wants us to seek him and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. And all these things are what? Things that we need, not just what we want or what we think we need. It's what what he sees we need. And I think that's the power of trusting in the Lord.
0: Well, on a previous show, we talked about that really wealthy man, Job. <laughs> and we remember this story because, you know, it didn't really work out too well for Job. It, he lost essentially all his wealth in a day. He only had... No, nothing no wealth left after, after day of satan coming and attacking him his wealth was that's why i'm saying wealth is fleeting you can't put your trust in it and that, that's why God trusted job because he knew that he' is, his really his trust wasn't in the wealth mm-hmm. it was in the lord right. and this is what we need to put our trust in listen you'll be way better off in this in in, in this day and age that we're living in Satan's little season put your trust in And something that really is going to be rock solid, Mm. that won't come and go, it it will, but it'll be here forever. And that is the Lord. And so many people, what they do is they put their trust in something that's fleeting rather than in the Lord. You know, people have financial ruin. Sometimes they go through that. And sometimes they'll even kill themselves over financial ruin. It's like Mm. ridiculous. As opposed to, no, all the wealth and stuff doesn't really matter in the whole scheme of eternity. What matters is how our relationship is with the Lord. Right. And we gotta put our focus on God. And you know, we're and the wealth that we're going for anyway is not gonna be in this life anyway. We're it's, we're going for the wealth in the next life. In for our resurrection, to get our eternal inheritance. That's what we're really going for anyway. All this stuff that we do here, we're just supposed to be good stewards of what we have. If we got it, then we're supposed to be a good steward of it. If we don't have it, well guess what? We don't have to be a good steward of that because we don't have it. It's as simple as well, that.
1: If we believe that all Good and wonderful gifts come from the Father. And James talks about that. That anything that God allows us to have, we need to make sure we honor him with it. And that could mean if it's wealthy things, that's great. But if it's just, you know, maybe you have lots of children. Maybe you have good crops and you feel the need to bless other people with sharing that. Maybe you have a talent and you bless your talent with helping other people who don't have that. There's so many things that we could be doing, that we have been blessed or prospered with and know how to do something or something, and we can share that with others. And just, I think sometimes the, the secret is is that by knowing you can help someone in a way that they can't help themselves, that in and of itself is our reward.
0: It's all a heart condition. The law is not written on our hearts. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we just have to have this childlike faith in the Lord, in in Christ, is put our trust in him. We don't have to worry about the, the worldly things out there because that all just drags us all down. Instead, put our focus on that. But see, a lot of times what the devil's done in this day and age in our culture and society, focus on materialistic things that in the whole scheme of eternity doesn't really matter at all mm. because they'll be gone. As soon as we're dead, they're, they're gone. There's Somebody else has got them, see? But see, what that's all we do. We work all of our lives on the things that don't matter and we don't put our energies and talents toward the things that really do matter. Mm-hmm. So God wants us to be good stewards. So what I'm asking each individual person here that's listening to this show is, be a good steward of your time and energy and effort that you have. I don't think God wants us to... We, we live in such a wealthy society. That's what Satan's done on Satan's whole season. He's designed our culture to where we're not really in want of anything really important as in we have plenty of food and clothing and all that it's all these other luxuries now that we're all focused on now and does god really care about these luxuries not really he wants us to do good help people out and that's why we're doing this show god convicted our hearts to you know let's just get the word out here that we're living in satan's little season and start exposing all this mess that satan has got everybody into and that's what we're doing here and that's why we're on this on this radio show trying to get everyone understanding it's like forget all this nonsense chasing after I don't know how many times I've seen messages on internet about how to retire at age 30. What are you going to do with the rest of your life then? Are you going to be good stewards of what? See, it's all about getting rich quick and all this other nonsense. Don't fall for all that. Just work hard. Guess what God wants us to do. And then treat others with love and just be a good steward of the time, mm. energy, and monies that God has given to us. And as best we can, instead of squandering what God's given to us, just don't squander what God has given to you, right. folks. I'm as guilty as anybody else. Buying things that didn't matter, turned out to be junk, we ended up throwing them away or giving them away. Yeah, that's we weren't good stewards. As I, The older I'm getting, the more better steward I'm getting of the things God's given to us. And again, it's like a journey. We're not going to be perfect when we're young. I remember wasting a bunch of money on crap when I was a kid. You, we, we all did that, remember, and buying all these different things. That, it's like, what, what, as adults, we're like, what were we thinking? Why would we do all that? Well, at the time, it was important to us because we weren't spiritually mature. But God wants us to grow up and become mature spiritually.
1: Well, what we're doing right now is we're flipping the script on the devil. Right. And we're saying, you know what? You might think that we need to be chasing after monetary um, compensation or prosperity in the matter of dollars and whatnot. But no, our prosperity is to be proficient in knowing God's word, loving one another, and being generous and kind with our actions and skills and things that we can do to honor our Father who's in heaven. And I think the greatest thing we can do is to let God use us in so many ways and in simplistic ways too. Not something that's going to even cost us a lot, but to know that we are making a difference. And we really are blessed by this opportunity to help anyone who listens because God has helped us. And I think when you realize if God has blessed you, then you need to be a blessing as well. And for those who hoard their time and their resources of talents and whatnot in what they do, they don't want to be a blessing to God because they want to receive the blessing. They'll find that in the end that might not work so well. But for us, we want to be the blessing that God has called us to do and to honor our Father. Because we are here for Him, not for ourselves. Make no mistake, He could take us out at any moment. But the longer we're here, He wants us to glorify Him.
0: Next week, we're going to go over the New Testament, what Jesus... And it's it's all pretty much the same scenario as what we talked about here in the Old Testament. We'll go over... The New Testament, Jesus has quite a bit to say on this idea <laughs> of worrying about wealth, worrying about money, worrying about finances, worrying about all this stuff. Which turns out, what we do is we focus on the material and we we, we stop focusing on the spiritual. And this is what right. devil, this is what the Satan wants us to do right now. He wants us to focus on the material things of this world and gets everyone off on these tangents where we're focusing on on the physical and we're not. We we stop focusing on the spiritual things that, that God has. The going for the good stuff, right? And this mm-hmm. is part of Satan's little season deceptions that we are trying to expose every single day of our life, <laughs> and we, that's why we're bringing this message to you because we don't want you to fall into this trap that most people are falling into, trying to oh get higher pay, get a, more of a more of a more money, uh, try to climb the corporate ladder. I'm trying to spare you all that and let you just let's focus on the important things in life, mm-hmm. things that really matter, the spiritual things. And not on the things that will turn out to be not important at all.
1: I think that the devil wants to distract everyone thinking you'll be happier if you have more of this and more of that. But what, he, what we don't realize, and we have to learn this the hard way sometimes, is we're actually going to be happier serving God and being obedient to his word and serving one another. Because happiness doesn't come from something you can buy in the store or a large bank account. Happiness is a, a state of mind and heart and being loving and kind and obedient to God.
0: We're loving Satan's little season. It always makes you giggle when I say that. (laughs) Not only because it's biblical.
1: But because it's the only thing that makes sense.
0: Join or contact us at satanslittleseason.org.
1: This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's Little Season production.